Hey guys, welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela. I am not in Sanford and Sons. I am in my sponsor's garage and um, be in a service, I guess. Uh, and I am very excited for today's podcast. But first, let me introduce our incredible co-host, our patient, beautiful, fantastic, can handle tech issues co-host, Mr. Dave Yates. You make it sound like I, I, like I, I like I'm a murderous rampager. Like you're like, please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. No, I'm, I'm Dave just Yates. So... It's good to be here. I I didn't know when I became so threatening, uh, but we're we're trying our best here in these streets. <laughs> oh my gosh! Can you read our uh, clarity statement? And I don't think you're sure. a murderer. I'm just celebrating your patience. You know, pow, celebrating pow, right in the kisser. Pow, what? Right the kisser. I mean it. Oh my god! To, to the to the moon, Alice. To the moon. How many <laughs> how many other domestic uh, abuse quotes can I fit into the beginning of this recovery podcast? I don't know. I'm just afraid of falling down the stairs, man. That's yeah, what I'm afraid yeah, yeah. Of. Don't want to lose the baby. Uh, welcome to 12 questions guys we're off the rails but we're having a good time uh we're a podcast where we believe growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people our mission is to share experiences and growth by also interviewing guests who do the same we're not affiliated with aa na or any other 12-step organization 12 questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone we're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to interview people about their own life experiences although some of our guests may be clean and sober some of them are not or choose not to divulge the purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others we only hope that you can learn something about yourselves and each other by listening i am so excited uh for today's guest thank you so much dave um i've wanted to interview you for a very long time oh, <laughs> but wow. the context in which we met was super weird <laughs> It's very weird, and that's not our fault. I just no. want to state that's not our fault. I can like look back on that now, like Goodwill Hunting, and um, just acknowledge it's not my fault that that's how I met a lovely person, like a seemingly lovely person. You know, um, if I met anyone else like that, like without cameras on us, and I said those things, not having known somebody. <laughs> Um, my God, I would, I'd be, I'd be working on a, a bad program. I'd owe some amends for sure. I feel like I actually owe amends to you. I feel like there's. I feel like I owe amends to you too. <laughs> really? I was really? like. Well, well, why don't we, why don't we get to that? And then we'll get yeah. to the questions. If anybody's listening right now and you're curious as to how the amends process works, you know, whether 12 step recovery uh, is worth trying, we're going to give you a 12 questions first. We're gonna. It's it's gonna be kind of like uh, Marin uh, when Marin has resentments. So uh, yeah. take it away, yeah. Evan and Anna. Let's 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 let's, <laughs> let's all at home. Let's sit back, relax, and listen to two yeah. people try to stay sober. Dave, <laughs> that was my joke to Dave. I was like, I really want to. I really want to interview Evan. I know he's super busy with his like film career and like doing all this fantastic listen. stuff and I said, but there might be a moment in the interview where we go full marin and i just go are we cool are we cool um, are we cool we cool yeah. are we cool we cool <laughs> we are we are very cool we are oh. very cool if you're cool with me i, mean, I feel the same way yeah. i feel yeah. I, anyway you have not introduced yourself 
What is oh, your name? Oh, that's right. My name is Evan Williams. Uh, I do identify as an alcoholic and an addict. And uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. Oh, man, Evan. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, no, this is cool. I'm glad we're doing it. I'm glad we're yeah. doing it. Yeah, we have not spoken to each other um, face-to-face or whatever this Zoom face-to-face is since it, we it did. constitutes as yeah. face-to-face. Yeah, yeah, in these yeah. Zoom times, it's face-to-face. Yes. I know you're in LA now with your lovely wife. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And crazy. I, um, it was, uh, we haven't spoken to each other since our taping of Roast Battle season. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I look, I look back on that, like, uh, at this point, because I, you know, at one point there was a lot of pride in it. At one point there was shame in it. And now I, I look back on it like, uh, you know, when you find out like a celebrity did something goofy before he was who he was like or she like uh, like they did like the Mickey Mouse Club, like they'll be like just video of, of Ryan Gosling, like dancing like an asshole when he's like nine or there's like Vin Diesel was a break dancer. And so there's like a that's how I look back at it like that. Like that was like my break dancing. That, that was like my person of uh, yeah. the embarrassing thing I did before everything else. Um yeah. That's a really healthy way to look at it. I yeah. think that's because what you described that mix of both pride and shame. It's like I'll be doing, mm-hmm. I'll be doing, um, and and not to say that like not to discount the experience. I wouldn't take no, it back. No. Like I think that it was a great experience. It was a little wild for me two years into stand up, and my years in recovery didn't maturity didn't match my. Um, professional comedic maturity at all. So I had these Mm -hmm. like two dueling parts of my brain and it'll be funny. I'll be doing a show and somebody will be like, so what are your credits? And I'm like, (sighs) roast battle. Uh (laughs) (laughs) But I'm so grateful, you know, like I'm so grateful for the experience. And um, see that kids, you get on TV and you don't even care anymore. That's what happens. It's just like, we are, we were on TV and (laughs) the world (laughs) could see us, but we're much better now. Yeah. Yeah. Recovering TV stars. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and absolutely (laughs) like even, even down to what I didn't realize at the time, and I don't think we've ever talked about this, is I was physically sick when that was happening. And I had mm. like a hormone problem, which led to me having surgery and like oh, all no. these crazy things. So I was like, imagine your wife two days before her period. I was like that for like a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. I was... I was a. That was, I was such an easily accessible analogy. I immediately felt really bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. And just you. think, if you would have had this information at the time, you could yeah. have had some bad. You could have murdered me. <laughs> or, or just like dumped out. Only- you know, like I, I may have just like resigned. Like. I, I don't want to make <laughs> them feel worse. You know, like why would I? You know, yeah. yeah so. It's interesting. I, if so, you had known I was wearing an adult diaper to do the job, just to like, just to, like that's where up. I was at. It was like regular wow. lady products weren't working, so I had to wear adult diapers. That's why I was wearing those big flowy skirts. 
Wow. You were in diapers when I, I was, was. Oh my God. I mean, that would have been the absolute best thing to say. Um, but I, I just want to show that. I would have full on Borat to that shit. I just would have <laughs> lifted it up and been like, yeah, I don't want to bleed on this grate that could kill us that we're standing <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. Dear God, that set was horrifying. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because it had already tried to take a life. <laughs> yeah, that was the set from season one that. Um, yeah, that's right. Leg. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's right. Yeah. Holy hell. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I want to give a little yeah, context in by listening. Um, if you don't mind, just you know, yeah. uh, so roast battle in New York City was this thing because it started in L.A. but. Roast Battle for me, my perspective in New York City, uh, at the very start was just a a way for stand-up comedians to maybe get some more spots at the stand. That was like a place. Yeah. Yeah. It was our sneaking our way in the back door. Yes. Yeah. It was just, all right, you won't see me for an audition. Well, here's me being funny in this other way. And maybe you can see I can be funny as a comedian. Yeah. So... Uh, we started doing it for that, and then it was a TV show, and I was like, "Wow, it'd be cool to do a TV show. That'd be, you know, that'd be cool." And I, I had gone to Montreal the year before, so I saw the taping live. Like I was in Montreal when they were like filming season one of Roast Battle, and I was just looking around and like I had never seen a TV set. Well, not really. Like I, I'd seen maybe one or two TV sets, but like to be in a TV set, like right off camera, and to have this clear path of like getting on camera. I was like, I need to do this for the next six months. I just need to like pour myself into this and try and get on the next season of this. And so I did. And what was great in New York is that like the only people who I roasted were like my best friends. Like I was like, I was roasting my very best friends in the business. And, um, and that's different, you know, because I know them, they know me, they know everything I've been through. I know everything they've been through. I've, cried with them after a bad show. I've hugged them. I've met their family. And so for me to say something awful about them, I've like earned that right because I know what's safe with them. And like, and I invite it back towards me. And so like, you know, like the one that got the most recognition for me was the one against Scott Chaplin. And like, that was, that was my best friend, you know? And we were, we had both lost family members and we both were like feeling that and going through that. And so our roast battle served as this like way to not only like get seen, but like to get through some shit together. Like we like, we walked through some shit together in that roast battle. And so it was good enough that Comedy Central was like, hey, come do this. And I was like, well, amazing, you know? And the first one I did was against Zach Amico, who again was a friend of mine. And then they were like, all right, well now we're gonna put you against strangers. And I was like, Oh no, (laughs) I don't know strangers. Yeah. I don't like, you know, I, I felt weird about it, but I was like, it's TV. I got to do it, you know? And so, and I like yourself, I would never take away the experience. Like I, not for nothing, like to be flown to LA for my first time, I'd never seen LA to be flown to LA and have like a Cadillac pick me up from the airport and bring me to this hotel room. And then like walk down the street to the house of blues before it's demolished. And like, see this historic place and get to perform there like and to work with somebody as cool as you like that's all incredible to to walk in and i smell weed and i just like followed the scent and it was it was snoop dogg and like that kind of shit 
is like, you know, I I mean, it's amazing. I'm so glad I experienced all of that, but, um, man, do I owe you an amends probably because like, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't think, cause you don't, you know, cause I, if I owe you a mess, that means you owe me one. And I know that you don't owe me one. So, um, well, let's, let's get into that for a second. Because, yes. Yes. So I started doing roast battle because, um, I was, I, I used to drive Keith Carey around. We were like, we, I, I came up in the scene that he came up that he was kind of like at that time, like the big fish of, and he was like, mm-hmm. you're funny enough and you have a car and you somehow always have snacks. So um, <laughs> let's go. And we became really close friends and, um, and eventually he just with another gal in the scene that we were friends with kind of was like, you two should roast battle. And the first time I ever did it, I called my sponsor about a week before, I mean, hysterical, like FaceTime hysterical. And she was like, honey, you, you've signed up to do this. And so you're committed, but you only have to do this once. And 10 times later, (laughs) I was, because I just wanted to, what I realized is it was forcing me to become a better joke writer. And, Mm -hmm. um, it was, what ha- what slowly started to happen was my defects of character started to activate because I realized from working in treatment in as, for as many years as I had and, and you know, reading MMPIs and people's files and that kind of stuff that I could kind of, if I researched a person long enough, I could kind of like get to what their defects were and like what made them you know, the little chinks in their armor. And there was actually a joke I didn't do against you that, um, cause I was doing Let's a runner. I was do doing it. a runner. And <laughs> so now. in between, because I had made these observations, I was like, man, these, these New York jokes are very different. We're a little sillier. We're a little yeah. more absurdist on the West coast. And, mm-hmm. and I remember say, asking my, um, of course the dog is barking right now. Um, oh, good. I love dogs. Yes. Um, asking my boyfriend, I was like, what's it? I've never been to New York. And he was like, what's it like? He was like, well, it's a hard city. It's a long that it gets dark at like 3 p.m. because there's there's the buildings are in the way. And mm-hmm. and people are people are generally pretty grumpy. <laughs> and so I, I, I wrote this runner about the length of your jokes and also stuff about your family. And the third yeah. one was going to be brutal brutal and I did the first and the second one and I felt the room get very uncomfortable with the style of jokes we were doing and I went with the gut decision to drop the joke in the middle of the battle and I got chewed out by the LA roast battlers like like angry stage moms they were so fucking (laughs) angry with me they were like how could you drop that runner it was epic and I was like I'm not going to do it because he's a nice guy and we were losing the room. He's a really nice uh-huh. guy. I don't know if I can be this mean to this person. And I had uh-huh. I just I went with the judgment call and I will live with it and that's fine. And yeah. um and so I don't know if I owe you an amends cuz I was operating from this part of my brain that um was not entirely spiritual and i think but i think that's the the conflict of of being in recovery and then like doing something like that is 
there's two parts of your brain. There's the joke part of my brain. You know, there's the part of my brain that will embellish a story for stage. And then there's a part of my brain that lives my honesty and lives my truth. And like, so I don't know, but I do know that I celebrate your success and I care about you as a person, even though we only met in that context. Like, no, I do. I, I care about you too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it a bond. It's a bond for sure. Like, yeah. that's, that's like I'll I'll never. I believe you know, they call be that close. trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a a damaging word for that. Um, but I, it's true. It's like you know, people who've been through hell together, and that's like a little tiny form of hell. You know, is for me bombing in front of Snoop Dogg in America, <laughs> I, you know, and saying awful things to each other. Here's the thing: is um, you know, like I, I used to like hold a lot of guilt for things I did when I was like 16, and like, and I, yeah. I really like, I fucking beat myself up so much about it, and like, finally one day my therapist was like, like, honey, you were. 16 mm -hmm. like you were a kid you know and 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 this person that you mentioned you know that that doesn't like you for that reason like they need to realize that too you were a child mm -hmm. honey like you've grown a lot you know and and in, as far as in comedy we were babies yes. at that time like you'd been doing it two years i had yeah. been doing it maybe three and a half like you know and, oh, and, and i thought you had been doing it longer <laughs> maybe and now i'm trying to think I, that was it was four years ago yeah i guess i, I guess i've been doing it like i guess i have been doing it like four or five years but i was like you know 27 and like i was brand new to this art like weird like yeah. sub art form and um so i you know and we were brand new to tv i mean that was like you know maybe my second thing i'd done and the first thing was like a MTV international thing, which means it aired everywhere, but America. And so like, I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, and we just wanted recognition. We were busting our ass yes. and we just wanted people to see that. And we wanted to make each other laugh. I definitely did want to make you laugh. I yes. know that. And yes. you definitely wanted And like, and then backstage, you and I, like afterwards, like we read each other, the ones we didn't say, and we were like, Oh my God, that was funny. You should have said that. So like, Clearly, clearly there was a respect there and like it was funny the whole time. And like, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I, I definitely said some mean things, though. And I don't even remember. But that was the job. I, My yeah. therapist always reminds me. I've actually had two therapists since then because Medi-Cal and um, one of them was just both of them actually have been like, it sounds like you did the job you were paid to do. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh, OK, it was a job. And. And I think it was because it was a microcosm, it was such a subculture of comedy that we all had to drink the Kool-Aid to believe it. Like it had kind of a Nexium quality to it. <laughs> like we all yeah. had to like fucking believe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just, that's so crazy. I was just watching did you, the did vow. You all get, did you all get branded JR for Jeff Ross? <laughs> did you all get sex yeah. branded? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 we got, we got branded RB roast battle yeah <laughs> i i was just watching the vow and um i shot a horror movie at a, a hotel a couple yes. years ago like a little short film and um i was watching the vow and they were like dancing in front of this hotel and i was like oh my god that's the that's the hotel in silver lake new york we shot we shot the film at this like beautiful uh, YMCA retreat center in Lake George, New York. And, um, 
I was just noticing they're in these rooms, they're in these like uh, event halls and like theater and I like the cafeteria. And then I saw them outside dancing. They were like dancing in this lawn and it was there. And so they, they, all of their like big meetings happened at the place I shot a horror movie. Which, which you is just like, released, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to plug that. I'm no, sorry. plug it. Plug yeah. it. No. I, it, okay. Well, then it's called the Recovery Call, and it's on Amazon Prime. But it's. I couldn't believe that. I was like, I. I it made it. It made the movie scarier for me. It was like you know to have shot a horror movie at a place where a cult met. I had no idea that was happening. But um, yes, it was. It was kind of like the vow. It was like you know. <laughs> Here's what you need to do to get forward, and and it doesn't it doesn't feel totally right, but like you know, it's I'm being too hard on me. I know, probably us. Uh, yeah. It was just comedy. It was just comedy. Comedy. Was comedy. And yeah. there's you all both, love here. You both seem in a better place, regardless. Like yes. whether it's like so. Yeah. I, yeah. I I ask you, Evan, our number one question: How do you experience surrender? <laughs> On a daily basis, um, and it, you know, and, and on a good day where I do surrender, uh, I don't always surrender my stuff. Um, I uh, usually, I mean, I, I've, I've, in my life, I've had to surrender things after too long of holding on to them. That's usually how I learn: is I, I hold on to something so long that it, I experience consequences and and that makes me let go i just unfortunately i'm one of those guys you know i had to wreck 10 cars and get arrested and have a gun aimed at me and i i had to go through some stuff before i realized i had a problem and and today sober i have to like go through embarrassment before i like realize it's not who i am or like i need you know i wish i wasn't that guy but i am that guy and i and i kind of love that in a way and um Yes. Yeah, so today to try not to to see that embarrassment or that, you know, shame, I I try to turn it over every morning. And um, as they say, hit the knees in the morning, I hit the knees and uh, I reach out to my higher power and um, ask for a little guidance and to let go of my will because mine's pretty, pretty skewed, you know. So I just yeah. say on a daily on a daily basis and on a good day, I, I let go of it all. And, um, you know, but it, it, I, it, it takes a lot for me. It takes like hitting my knees. It takes reaching out to, you know, um, a sponsor. It takes uh, having a network of people that I'm honest with. It takes having a text thread that I send gratitude lists every morning and and a, a journal that I write in. I'm, a, I'm that asshole. I have a journal. Ugh. You know, like I, <laughs> I have two uh, journals. I have one. Nice, I have nice. one for therapy and one for um, uh, like reparenting, basically, where I okay. I take my fears and I reinforce them with kind words. Ah, I love that. I yeah. love that. I do. I love it. I always feel like it's funny when comedians talk about the shit they're doing to keep themselves sane and healthy, and they're just like, ew. Yeah. healthy activities constructive ways to deal with my madness yeah. blah yeah. like it's like no it sounds pretty healthy to me yeah i'm yeah. getting better at that i'm getting better at firing that guy that's in my head because i i do i have the back of a comedy club room in my head i have the comedians in the back of the room they live in the back of my head and so anything i do they're like that's lame or like ew you're being sincere or like you know they just like 
all that stuff is up there. And I just have to tell that guy to get out because like, I don't need him anymore. I needed that person at some point in my life and um, to get me through something tough. But I have to acknowledge when I don't need that voice anymore, you know, and I currently I don't. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when you're going through tough stuff that, I mean, it just sounds like, you know, you have a different way of dealing with insane moments. Like what would you say is the most insane moment you've had uh, in the life of Evan Williams, whether it be pre-sobriety, during sobriety, uh, you know, maybe it's the roast battle situation, but what is the most insane moment that you've had? Insane as in like, I'm truly acting insane or just like a wild thing happened. Like uh, it, it, either whatever, way, what, whatever your heart ended. tells you, yeah, <laughs> could be yeah. insane. Good, could be insane. Good, could be insane. Know, but, uh, I mean, a lot of luckily, a lot of insane good things have happened. You know, um, I it's insane that I'm in Hollywood right now on a you know a Zoom with somebody that I respect and I have a wife that loves me and like I've been able to do some cool things that I dreamt about as a kid. I thought I was gonna die in a basement at 19, you know? So that's all insane. But I, I say the most insane moment of my life was um, like the moment that I was like, you are insane. You need like help is uh, I was driving. I was like 48 hours conscious and uh, I was going to get some more Coke from my dealer at like 7 a.m. So like knocking on his door until he woke up to give me more. Cause like, if he doesn't pick up the phone, I'll go to his house. That's how I was. And mm-hmm. uh, so I went to his house, I got some Coke and I was leaving and uh, I was at a stop sign. And I was going to take a left onto the road and someone was coming my way and they were taking a right. So I was like, all right, she'll go right. I'll go left. We won't you know, contact each other. I didn't wait for her to slow down and commit to the turn. I just pulled out and she T-boned me and, uh, I was on the phone with my dad at the time, like probably asking for money. I don't even know. And uh, and he just heard me like scream and like um, and then I I like I just like looked around and it was like my my car was like demolished. I somehow was OK. I couldn't open my door. So like I climbed out of the window um, and the lady that had hit me was screaming. I got into her car and she was like she she at least. I don't know if she was pretending. I think that she was pretending because I didn't I didn't later hear that she actually had a heart attack. But she said she was having a heart attack. She's like, I'm having a heart attack. I'm having I was like, oh, my God. OK, what do I do? And She's like medicine. And she like pointed to her um, to her glove compartment. And I went in the glove compartment. There was like some chunky white stuff. I don't think it was a pill, but she was like, put it on my tongue. I like put it on her tongue. And then I, an undercover or like an off duty police officer just happened to be driving by. So she like got out and she started helping the lady. And then like, I just, a blur happened. And a few moments later, there was an ambulance, a fire truck. There was two cop cars and my dad were all in this intersection. And my drug dealer was driving by and I realized I had the Coke still in my pocket. And so he drove by and I like gave him a handshake and gave him the Coke just in case the cop like searched me. And, um, and I've got sunglasses on, but not because of the sun. It was a cloudy day. It was to hide my pupils. And I had a nosebleed. And it wasn't because of the airbag. It was because of how much fucking cocaine was up my nose. And I was just looking around. And there was just like flashing lights and sirens. And like a, a woman being taken off on a gurney. And my dad's there. It was like a nightmare. It was like a weird like fever dream. It was like, 
it was like the tornado that takes you to Oz. I was just like, you are fucked up, man. Like your life is this moment. Like this is how chaotic this is. Like this is like a, a metaphor for like how chaotic your life is. And then I had another year of like getting fucked up. But that was like, you know, that was yeah. like, oh, I might have an issue. You know, like that was like the beginning of maybe that's my yeah that's my favorite is when a story like that is not it yeah know? yeah like almost my, my, never my mine was like mine was snapping a light pole in half and ended up in jail and then i got i got bailed out by my friends and we like, immediately went and got a handle of whiskey and i stayed drunk after that like i literally snapped yeah. a light pole in half and totaled my car and within 24 hours i had a handle of whiskey in my hands like you would think that that would be enough. oh yeah it's, not, it's never yeah. enough mine was even uh, yeah like mine was uh, waking up in four points in the hospital with my mom who was also high crying over me <laughs> and i was what, like what's four points uh four point restraints so i was i was uh-huh. I, I kept trying to fight the ER doctor. Not a country club. Not a I, country club. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I, I didn't want them to cut my clothes off. Uh, so I kept oh. ripping my IV out. And so they had to restrain me to cut my clothes off. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you were saying I interrupted you. No, no. You, did you have more drinking to do after that? Five years. <laughs> Five years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Five years. And but I think even if in the moment you can realize oh, I have a problem. That's a big pill to swallow that you have a problem. And so you need to swallow some pills to like, you know. Yeah, you know what helps wash that big pill to swallow down? More pills. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, and I, 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 I've said this before, like I, everybody's physical bottom. I've never heard of physical bottom. That was my exact physical bottom. And I, I haven't heard many that like match each other in the, you know, thousand speeches I've heard probably more, definitely more. Um, and, but I always match the emotional bottom. I like, got every single time. Like, and I, I just, I hear my emotional bottom every single time. Like you guys just said three completely different physical events. But mm-hmm. if we then said the day that we, ask for help that feeling it would be the exact same feeling which is sick and tired of being sick and tired and like just not able to look at myself in the mirror and like just exhausted like mentally spiritually physically i couldn't laugh anymore there was no serotonin like just that stuff i relate every single time to the emotional you know and um that's what took me another year to like fully look at was like how empty i was you know, absolutely. And oftentimes in comedy or in my life now, or even when I was working in treatment, there were moments where I would be like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And um, for uh, to give it the roast battle context, it was <laughs> an hour after roasting Mike Feeney. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. I um, that sick and tired of being sick and tired thing. I, I wish it didn't drive my decision-making as much as it does, but it truly does. How do you make decisions in your life and in your recovery on your good days and your bad days? Mm-hmm. Um, luckily through like, I, I'm, I'm always good at talking to other people first. Thank God, you know, because I know my thoughts are pretty crazy. Like I know that my first go-to is usually wrong. And so, um, 
I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so stubborn that I won't even let myself get my way. You know, like I, I, when I, when I'm thinking of doing something stupid, I clearly don't truly want to do something stupid because I don't call my stupid friend. You know, I call my smart friend. Like I call my sponsor. <laughs> I, I call, you know, somebody that's going to tell me not to. And I, and I, I know, I don't even realize that I did that until like days later. I'm like, oh, you, you wanted to not do that. Like, you know, you, you called your dad, you told your dad that you were thinking of smoking weed again, you know, and you told your wife that you were thinking of smoking weed again and your wife cried and your dad told you that like, oh, bud, I think you're just confused. You know, I think you think you can hit it once with that group of comedians. You can hop into the circle, hit it once, get a little silly. And then uh, go back to your regular life. He was like, I don't think that's you. I think that you're going to probably hit it a few times. And I think that you're probably going to give yourself the go ahead to start drinking. If you can handle that, you can handle drinking. And, and then I told my sponsor and I was like, I don't want to do AA anymore. I don't want to do it. And why would I tell my sponsor? Like I, I clearly wanted to be told that I was wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was like, can you go to one more meeting? Just one, just like, yeah, I think you like owe it that like just one more. And he brought me to one. And this guy from my home group was uh, was speaking and I'd never heard him speak before. And he just like he made me cry. And he talked about what newcomers do for him and why he goes to newcomer meetings, even when he's like 20 years sober. It's like to remember where he came from. And he started choking up, you know, just he like cared that much. And it, it just reminded me who I was, you know, so like. I make decisions with a, with a community of people. Like I, I'll throw it up to my higher power, which I don't have a definition for. I don't know what he, she, or it looks like, but I, I, I do pray and I do talk to a higher power and um, I'll reach out to friends that aren't my dumb ones, you know? Cause when I was getting fucked up, I would like, and I wanted to get sober, I would call my fucked up friends and I'd be like, Hey, I'm done. I'd be in the middle of like a Coke binge and I'd, I'd call my buddy who Coke binges with me and say i'm done with coke and mm-hmm. he he'd just be like all right congrats man you know and i'd be like thank you dude and he'd be like do you have any more on you though and i'd be like well yeah i have more i just like i'm done tomorrow though I'm well like, you gotta fine. finish what you got you know yeah like, well let me come over and like we'll finish you know and so like, <laughs> now i'm up another 72 hours with this guy and i never stop you know and like it just being with that friend, I'm um, thinking one specifically and, and like looking over at him, like 80 hours of consciousness. Now I'm seeing shadow. Pe- I think the strongest struggle of all is sleep deprivation. And so like I'm hallucinating real people in the corner of the room and stuff. And like, I'm looking over at, at Steve. I was just, okay. I won't say, I just said his name, Steve. And, um, and I'd be like, Hey, am I crazy? And uh, his answer was, no. And I was like, okay, how do you know that though? How do you know I'm not crazy? And he, he would go, because you just asked me and crazy people don't know they're crazy. So if you're asking me, you're not crazy. And I thought that was brilliant. So I just like kept asking him, am I crazy? Am I crazy? And I just, I knew if I could ask him if I was crazy, that meant I wasn't crazy. But then I was just a crazy person asking if I was crazy. Um, so today I have, I, when I'm feeling crazy, I don't go to crazy people. I go to people who seem to have it together. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, that is such a smart instinct and you put it into words because I have 
And first off, I don't trust anybody in any 12-step program who hasn't not wanted to be in that 12-step program at some point. Yeah. My favorite share is, I don't want to be here. I don't like you people. <laughs> I don't like yes. the way I feel, but I don't want to go back to the life I was living in the way I felt before. So mm-hmm. I'm here. That's the solution is I'm here. And it. that's my favorite chair. That's my favorite chair of all time. And like, I, I have to ask what, what time in your recovery was that kind of crisis of faith? Just curiosity. Um, I, that was, I was eight years. No, I was nine years sober. I was nine years sober. Yeah. That was three years ago. I just, I started looking at circles of comedians specifically. I was like, man, it looks like fun. It looks like fun. And I didn't want to do Coke because my, my, my disease is very smart. It wouldn't, it wouldn't get me right to the thing that's going to kill me. It would, it would invite me in with like a seemingly harmless one, like weed, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so it was, it was weed that was tempting. And I was never like a huge pothead, but it was like, yeah, you weren't. So it's not a problem, you know? And like, and, and uh, yeah, that, that was that was about nine years in. I was thinking about calling a quiz. Do you guys mind if I pee? I'm so sorry. Pee, go pee. Yeah, I'm gonna run. I'll be right no, back. Yeah, no worries. And I mean, I'll just speak while Evans, uh, you know, taking a PO. Um, <laughs> I think what's it's the camaraderie of watching comedians smoke weed outside of the comedy club that mm-hmm. I've uh, I've also felt uh, like not part of or that my path in this business is going to be hindered because I don't stand in the weed circle, you know? Yeah. That's specifically why I started vaping. Yeah. Well, I still like, for me, like I can stand around the circle still. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, like it doesn't make me want to smoke weed, but it's just when you're, when everybody's, you know, uh, I guess, quote unquote stoner networking for lack of better terms like it yeah. makes you feel like you're the weird one and if you stand in the circle and it goes to you and you're like no thank you and they're like what and you're like i'm good you know and then it's like uh should i even should i even be here i know it doesn't amount to anything in the end but that it it's it's easy to feel not part of when comedians are engaging in the circle toke you know, and you just want to be part of that just so like, hey, guys, don't forget I exist just because I don't smoke weed. You know, I still I'm cool. Like I can still hang in the circle. Yeah, it's like we can never turn off the part of ourselves that craves connection. That's the part that's like, you know, it's the antidote to the using. So I, it makes sense, especially because I describe to people in my 12 step circle that my career path and my job where I do my business is like going to a meeting where everyone's using and no one has any steps or traditions. It's the exact same vibe. And I'm sure Evan, Dave, and I both experience this. People just open up to us because we know how to listen with empathy and we know ourselves so well that people just like, like spill, (laughs) spill their guts because they crave that connection and, and they crave self-awareness, but they're self-seeking outside of them. You know, they're looking to, to you to, uh, to get those answers. And my, my question to you is what has been the most interesting thing that you've learned about yourself and in your recovery? 
Um, to what you're saying, you know, people come to us and that's like, that can be looked at in two ways, depending on who you are. It can be annoying or it can be a blessing, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, to me, it's a blessing. And, uh, I, you, cause also they come to us because we've broken the ice already without even knowing them, you know, like, mm -hmm. like most people you have to like, you know, sit at a bar with them and like talk to them for a while and break the ice or whatever. We've gone on stage. We've like made them laugh. That's like the ultimate icebreaker. Mm -hmm. And if you're like me, we've like talked about our stuff, you know, and we've like gotten honest and like gotten even a little embarrassed ourselves a little bit, like, which is a little humbling at times. And like, and so they're just like, Oh wow. He can talk about himself. I need to go to this guy. I don't have people to talk to like that. And so they, you know, this guy or girl. And so they, they come to us after the show and like, yeah, I've had long talks at bars with people who are currently drunk about like, you know, how to get mm -hmm. sober. And, um, and we all know that's not a good um, state of mind to talk to somebody about sobriety and while they're drunk, you know? Um, so it's, it's sometimes awkward conversations, but like the, the DMS I've gotten, like the messages and, and then just like people in the comedy community, because so many comedians, either have a problem, had a problem, or like, you know, I mean, we're all the island of the misfit toys, you know, mm -hmm. that we're here for a reason. We need this validation for a reason, you know? And um, so one of the most interesting things I've uh, discovered about me and recovery, um, I, just that I um, could follow through on on anything I dreamed of. Um, I, you know, I was, a, I was a kid who wanted to do some cool things. And I was like a funny kid. I was like a really funny kid. And like, I did impressions of my teachers and like, at first they were mad at me. And then by the end of the year, they like would have me come in front of the class and do those impressions and stuff. Cause it made the kids laugh and made them laugh. And like, you know, I had teachers telling me like, you're going to be a performer, you know, like this stuff. And then drugs took that from me, you know, like addiction, you know, I, I, I then was, 19 in a basement laying on my back listening to my heart like just you know that was my life while some friends were at college and so I didn't think I was going to live to do any of this stuff I didn't think that uh, I was going to get a chance to to play in this playground you know and um so I don't I don't know if that's the correct answer but that's what came to my head it's just you know um the fact that like uh being in therapy um which is such a huge part of me being sober. Jesus Christ, there is more than any, you know, 12 step program. And, uh, it, there's, there's more than that. There's, there's therapy. Uh, that's something I needed outside help myself. And, um, I, I was literally talking to someone last night about this exact thing. It's yeah. like the 12 steps are going to allow you to get so far, uh, far enough to get honest that you got underlying shit that's got nothing to do with the program that you're going to need some specialty tools and you're yeah. not going to get that from plumber Steve who's got 30 <laughs> years in yeah. the rooms like you know it's like oh I have a I have a death anxiety uh or I got extreme grief uh plumber Steve yeah. what do you think you know <laughs> Did you get on your knees this morning no that's why you got that that's why you have Have you tried job. 90 and 90 to cure yeah. your Manic depressive disorder. Hi, I'm Palmer, <laughs> I'm Palmer Steve's wife. Um, <laughs> you've got to understand that fear is just a lack of faith. You know, you just really, 
you got to invest in that faith, you know, yeah. you just really, your connection with God is probably lacking. So just take care of that. <laughs> no, you know, you right. know, I don't take anything that affects me from the neck up. Uh, I mean, aside from the coffee, the nicotine and the boner <laughs> pills that I take to fuck Mrs. Plumber Steve. Uh, I don't take anything that affects me from the neck up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. This is a sketch that needs to be shot. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. But, you know, therapy taught me stuff that I, you know, the comedian in the back of my head makes fun of me for, but Mm -hmm. they're wrong too. You know, like to reach inside and pull out the little Evan, you know, like (sighs) little... Little Evan, how's he doing? How's he doing? And I remember like the first time that idea was even brought into my head, my therapist was like, can you just look inside right now? Close your eyes and look inside and tell me what little Evan looks like, like six-year-old Evan, what's he look like right now? And for some reason I looked in there and he was like in the bottom of a well. And he was like, he was like curled up and he was like looking up at a light shining down. And, uh, and she taught me to like reach down and grab that guy and pull him out and be like, hey, dude, I'm sorry that like what happened happened. Um, those things you believed were real and and like they're still there and I'm gonna, we're going to do it together now. And I love you. Like for me to talk like like I want to punch me in the face right now for everything I just said. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I'm good, it's gushy and it's stupid, but it's it's not. And um I, yeah. yeah, yeah, therapy, man, yeah. My therapist, the first time she said, um, how does little Anna feel? And I looked at her and I was like, don't make me fucking do this. And she was <laughs> like, come on, let's talk about it. And I'm like, "Yeah, I really, really, really hate that phrase because I was <clears throat> never allowed to be a kid. I was an adult with adult responsibilities. I just happened to be short. And so, <laughs> so uh, learning to do that, the journaling, all that stuff, like learning to self-parent, it is the most cheesy shit in the world. But for a lot of us who came in here with a bucket of trauma, it's so important. It's so important. Yeah. So, God damn, that is... You're a delight, Evan. I always I, I, knew, I knew you were a delight because I creepily listened to every podcast you had ever been on before I rose battled you. And we had a fun Skype conversation. And then we met each yeah. other when we were both so scared we wanted to shit a brick and we were so cool. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. you're just you're just a goddamn delight. Like thank you. You too. I, I hope you know that. And um I, yeah, I already knew that about you, but I'm so glad that we're talking like this now and like, you know, um yeah. not yeah on a stage with uh like i don't remember who the other oh with anthony jeselnik like calling us idiots or whatever like i i (sighs) i'm glad it's just me you and dave here dave's very nice Um, i have to tell you i a little bit because he was so kind backstage and then while they were judging of course they have to be mean and his feedback to you was so brutal that i a little bit wanted to be like hey leave him the fuck alone you didn't come up here and do this (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all part of the game yeah 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 it is and it's just a game it's not real life it's just not real and i you know how do you with all that in mind like knowing that you have to protect little evan you know Mm -hmm. by the way that was some doom patrol shit have you seen doom patrol i love doom patrol 
Yes, yeah. that was some Doom Patrol shit. You're in the well. Yeah, yeah oh my God. Yeah, that's my <laughs> little personality down there. Yeah. I love it. What, like, how do you deal when you're in the well? Like, how do you deal with that fear and anxiety? Um, fear and anxiety are big ones for me. And uh, I, I heard a quote one time about bravery. And uh, it was basically saying, and I know it's just preposterous analogy or whatever, but like somebody said that bravery, you can't fake bravery. Like if you fake bravery, you are now brave. Like, so like the moment you fake bravery, you're just being brave. Like if you see a burning building and you're like, well, I'm not brave. I'm too scared to go in there. So let me just pretend that I'm not. What if I just pretended I wasn't? And then you run into that building like there's no mocking bravery you just are and so with fear it's like it's i wish it was like a more complex thing i could say but a lot of times it's just jumping it's just like well, what if i wasn't what if i wasn't afraid of this you know like what just what if i wasn't it's like jumping into a pool it's like i could dip my toes in here and run away because it's cold or i could just jump in and like it's gonna be uh shocking at first and a little unpleasant but then it'll probably get to the point where it's refreshing and um for me, anxiety, again, um, therapy and um, people and saying it out loud. And, you know, that's what I love um, about the program I'm a part of that shall not be named, but we know what I'm talking about. Um, when I go into a meeting and I share something that I thought was crazy and I thought I am a monster for thinking it and um, I'm different than the rest of humanity. And I'm going to go into this room. I'm going to say it. And they're all going to look at me weird. Every time I say that people laugh uh, and people nod their heads, you know, like you're saying, like your favorite thing in a meeting is when somebody's like, I don't like you motherfuckers. I don't like being here. Your coffee sucks. Like that stuff. Yeah, buddy. Every, everybody laughs. Everybody laughs. We're like, we love you. Keep coming back. You know, and it's well, like, <laughs> that's the level. That's honesty. That's 100%. Mm -hmm. That's raw. That's the, the three, the triangle that I, 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 I fucks with is honesty, yes. mindedness and willingness. That's yes. I, when all else fails for me, when I have no conception of a higher power, when I have no willingness, like it, it's, I, I have to get honest first and then all that other shit comes after that. And, yeah. and it seems like your honesty levels are through the roof, my friend. But how honest are you with yourself and others? Um, I, I'm pretty good at being honest with other people. And um, and I, I have struggled with being honest enough with myself, you know, and, and that's something that like I uh, I'm better at now. But like I, I I got real good at just like being straight up with people. And, and welcoming them to be straight up with me, but then not checking in with Evan, you know, and like not taking care of me and like acting like I'm okay when I'm not okay. And like, um, you know, I have lost enough people now in the, in my sober family that uh, I'm kind of like over certain shit. Like I'm kind of over not telling people what to do. And just like, it's just a suggestion, but blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, I, I just, I've lost too many people that the last time I asked them how they were doing, they were like, I'm okay. You know, they just, I'm okay. But like, I don't believe I'm okay. I don't believe that. I, if, if you give me like a, maybe like a more elaborate response, like I'm okay. And that's crazy. Cause like, it's a wild year and like, but I'm, I'm okay. I'll believe you then, you know, but like, 
I, it's so diffusing when when I ask how you doing, and somebody's like, "I'm shit." How are you? And I'm like, "Oh fuck, I'm shit too." You know. And yeah. then, now we're laughing because we're being honest and like we're relating and like, um, yeah, I, uh, I I don't I don't I don't like the small talk. I'm okay thing. And um, I forgot where I was going with this, but well, I I think a lot yeah. of people just they 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 avoid the confrontation of it from both sides of the coin, like the the asky or the the receiver of the question. And I believe in love and kindness and compassion, but I also believe that you can love someone into the ground in recovery. <laughs> yes, by by you know not just giving that little ten percent extra to see how people are really doing. Uh, yes. Because I, I know for me, like, uh, one of the biggest things I've dealt with in the past, you know, eight years of recovery is grief. And the only thing that's gotten me to the point that I'm at is 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 explicitly telling people what I need and didn't need. So when you asked me how I was doing, I'd say, not fucking great, but I'm here. <laughs> you know, because mm -hmm. it's just like, and if you want to talk about it, I'll be like, look. My my dad died and I'm grieving a lot. So if you want to know more, we can talk. But like I, I or I would just tell someone I'm grieving. I don't feel good. Uh, like I am. I, I'm not broken. I'm just in pain. I don't feel like talking about it right now. And there was no rhyme or reason to who I would talk to about it. But I think it was very important for me to establish when I was willing to talk about it versus, hey, I'm I'm fucking cashed out on this conversation. Even mid conversation, I could bow out, you know. And and that's mm -hmm. that's the honest honesty is probably the only reason I'm still sober today. Like that, I, I can 100 percent without a shadow of a doubt say that is like the times I've thought about taking a drink or a drug, uh, I've always told on myself. You know, the times where I'm just not okay, I've all, always told someone I'm not okay because that's the poison I need to get out of me. And, and mm -hmm. that that's that's what makes an alcoholic like me drink. And I don't, I can't speak for anybody else, but you know, uh, like I said a little bit earlier, that it's just like uh, honesty is such a powerful tool. And I'm not saying like, well, I'm, I'm just I'm just honest, bro. I'm just I'm just I'm just laying. Okay. I'm saying honesty, just like <laughs> just being like I'm honestly where I'm at right now. You know, because a lot of people will take that and be like, people just can't handle this honesty, bro. People mm -hmm. just can't handle. You just, I thought you were a comedian, honest. bro. I thought you were. I thought you were a comedian. I'm just being I, real with you, man. I'm being funny. I, if it wasn't for the program, I would physically assault everyone who ever told me that they could fucking uh, poke at me. Yeah. Because I'm a comedian <laughs> and not take a joke. I I yeah. I, I swear to Christ. I it I was never a joke. Anytime I've ever heard it, it was not. A, there was no setup no. punchline. It was just like you're a fucking idiot. And I'm like, that's mean. They're like, I thought you were a funny guy. And it's like, I wasn't. You didn't say a punchline. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. I'll show you funny guys. Like, I'll show you the set of my buddy who's hilarious. But that wasn't a funny set. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. The thing I was I, I forgot was um, I yeah I I I. I like when sometimes people like break the tradition of recovery and don't suggest something to me. They just tell me what to do. Uh, Cause sometimes that's the honesty I need is just like tough love. And like, I, I lost a friend of mine at the beginning of this uh, in March and uh, to a motorcycle accident. This is a guy who I got sober with. He was, he was sober 12, 13 years when he passed. Um, and 
I, it was back in North Carolina. I had just moved to LA and I, I didn't want to get on a plane and go back to North Carolina. And I didn't want to spend the money to do that. And I didn't want to spend the time to do that. And it was at the beginning of this. So it was like beginning to get sketchy to be on planes. And, um, but I, once again, I clearly knew that that wasn't right. And so I went to a meeting and I shared about it. I had a, I, I, and I, I, in the meeting afterwards, this woman came up to me and she was like, Hey, um, I know we're supposed to just like recommend stuff. She's like, but I'm telling you, you're going to the funeral. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you that you're going, you're going because we're going to regret things in life. And most of them are going to be, uh, commissions, things that we've done, but the biggest things we're going to regret are the omissions, the things we didn't do. And I just know that you're going to regret not going. And I was like, what an asshole, you know, <laughs> I didn't need that honesty, damn it. Uh, but she was right. That's why I hated it is because she was right. And I went home and it was this beautiful experience that like, you know, I got to say a eulogy and like make his family laugh and like do this impression of him that was spot on and like, and invite them all to hug me afterwards is very COVID unfriendly, but I was like, I'm going to hug all of you. And, um, I hugged his mom and I told her I loved her. And like, they invited me to fireworks that night and we set off like $300 worth of fireworks in a redneck Viking funeral. And, um, just like screamed into the night as it exploded in the sky. And then like, it got down to just sparklers and we like lit sparklers and we like met in the middle and had this big orb that died down. And at the end we hugged each other and I, I said, I love you. And I left. And, um, it was one of the best nights of my entire life. And I almost didn't go if it wasn't for a mean lady, you know? And I, I just like, I hope everybody has a mean lady in their life at the moment they need it because, uh, I was going to not do that, you know? And, yeah. and somebody meanly told me I was and, uh, and thank God, you know, God, yeah. what a beautiful story. Uh, I, I almost don't, I mean, I, I get it. I've been that mean lady. I've yeah, been, good. I've, I've been good. yelled at in a parking lot by a newcomer. Cause she was like, you know, my sponsor's a dude. And I was like, I think he's going to try to fuck you. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. she was like, she was like, you know, uh, don't tell me that. And then five years later, I ran into her at a meeting and she said, I need to make an amends to you. And I was like, okay, why? And she said, so my sponsor tried to fuck me, <laughs> right? And, um, and I was like, and every time I see her now, I'm just like, baby, it's cool. Like, it's cool. She's, she's killing it in the game, you know? And, yeah. and it, is, it is hard to take that risk sometimes. My, where I get, where I struggle with that is, um, I can be prone to codependency and sometimes I will, well, that's one of my defects. So I'll, I'll get it from the mean lady who's telling it like it is to like, do what I tell you to do, or I want to try to fix, manage and control the situation. Mm -hmm. And what is the, and that's probably the biggest character defect I've had to deal with this chapter in my life, especially I didn't realize how much it was going to come out in standup and in comedy with my friends. Um, what's the character defect you have to deal with the most right now? What's the defect I have to deal with the most? Um, 
I would say self-righteous anger. Um, that's the one that feels the best, you know, it's just, it's the best and worst drug. Cause not only do I get to get angry, not only do, do those like, you know, feelings start in my stomach and build up and make my blood pump, but I get to feel better than them too. Like I get to feel big, like I'm mad because they're not as perfect as me. That's, that's what's going on. That's a powerful feeling. And that's like, you know, talk about instant gratification. I mean, that's what anger is. Like I, I was in anger management when I was 20. Um, I got sober and uh, that kid that was angry that found booze and drugs that suppressed that now doesn't have booze and drugs anymore. I'm just an angry kid. I'm a 20 year old, angry seven year old. And so I was like hitting my steering wheel in traffic. I was punching walls. I was yelling. I was just, I was, I was an angry, angry guy. And, um, and not just that I was managing my anger wrong. And, um, so I went to anger management and like, you know, the, the guy who, who ran it, he would, he was like, he sat with me and he was like, what judge, uh, sent you here? And I was like, uh, no judge. No, it's just me. And he was like, right. But like, who, um, who recommended this was like a thing you should be doing. And I was like, it's just me. I just want to be better. You know, and he was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, he wasn't, used, <laughs> he wasn't used to dealing with people who like came there on their own accord. You know, I was just this like child who was in a. a oh, Jesus Christ! There, I, I said it. It's okay. We'll bleep it. We'll bleep it. Doesn't matter. Um, I don't mind it, but again, you know, uh, yeah. So I was just a kid who was in this program that was, you know, in, influencing me to be better, and um, so me and this guy got along very well. He, he taught me, you know, that like anger is a good thing. Like it can be, it can motivate you. Like if something pisses you off, like you can be pissed that your life is a certain way. And, and like that motivates you and you turn that into like good energy and like, and it pushes you and drives you and it wakes you up in the morning. And like, uh, I just wasn't managing anger. Well, I was getting mad and throwing a tantrum because misery loves company and if i'm mad and you're not i'm gonna make a scene and now you're mad and i'm not alone anymore you know and so for me anger is probably the one i you know quote unquote miss the most but that i am and not that i don't get angry but like that not like i used to and like that's probably the one i my the addict in my brain misses the most because it just it's it's the most like a drug you know yeah it, it affects the entire body. Yeah, I, yeah, I, totally I have about 15 arguments in my head with people uh, from the hours of 8.35 when I wake <laughs> up to the, uh, you know, until 9 a.m. Yeah. when I usually pop into a meeting. That's, I, I will fight, angry fight in my head. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you know what's crazy about the, he- the in-your-head argument? Because, Evan, I related to that so much. My first five years, I would read out. I would get so angry that I felt like being John Malkovich, like I felt like I was somewhere in the back of my brain mm-hmm. and someone else was driving. Wow, and, that's the best fucking, that's the best analogy, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, when I'm so impressed by your going to anger management because I waited till I had eight years to go to therapy and it took my sponsor saying, because I got in an argument with my ex and he got my face and I put my hands on him. And she said, go and get outside help or never fucking call me again. I say it like almost 
every podcast, but it was the most powerful moment. Talk about the mean lady in the parking lot. She hung up on me. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, do this or don't call me anymore. Click. Yeah. And, um, and I, I so get that. And what I found out recently from fucking TikTok, but it's so true, is that the arguments that we have in our heads, the shower fights, I call them the shower fights because I love them in the shower, you know. Yes, yeah. Those actually affect your central nervous system and it gives you the same response. It hits the same dopamine, serotonin, like all the aggression, all of that is happening in your brain as if you were in the fight and it's bad for your overall health, both mental and physical health. So lately when I get into, it's also an ADD thing, which I have really bad ADD. I have this, like I have fantasy worlds that like if I'm on a jog or I'm doing something, I can access these little worlds and all of the, all of the, the chemical reaction to these conflicts I'm playing out in my mind, it's, has the same physiological and mental effects as if I was actually in the fight. So now when those happen, I'm like, okay, let's get back to reality. Where are you right now? You, why are you trying to invent a life that is different for you in your brain? Why are you trying to, um, why are you trying to relive this, this trauma? Let's just come back. Let's come back. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's difficult it's difficult. And then to be kind to myself and be like, because that's the way you've been doing it for 38 years, bitch. That's why. Like, yeah. calm down. Like, yeah. you, you're developing new coping mechanisms. So you got to fucking stop. But yeah, Dave, I totally, I love me a shower fight. I win them all. Um, Who doesn't win a shower fight? If you're in the shower and you lose, that's brutal. <laughs> that's and, brutal. Yeah. And it's like, it's I like you don't drink. shower. I don't believe in it. I don't shower. <laughs> it's it's like it's like using dreams where you take a white chip at the end. Uh, yeah. That's what losing your own shower fight is like. Ah, uh, you're right. You're right. I. <laughs> what am I saying? I've definitely lost shower fights because I I hate myself in the argument more than the other person in that moment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I I really related to that. I mean, just psychological fact that it's the it does the same thing. Your brain is being in a real argument. It's like. No wonder we do it because like I'm an addict. Um, when I didn't have, Oh Jesus. Hold on a second. Um, got a call. Um, when I didn't have cocaine, I used Adderall. Like I, when I didn't have the thing I wanted that made me feel a certain way, I used the thing that made me feel similar. And that's like what we do when we do those fights. Like they're not here right now. I can't get mad at them. So let me just simulate it. You know, that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd cut Dave off before. I'm sorry, Dave. Ah, no worries. Uh, no, I was just, I get so mad that I got to remember immediately after I got to forgive myself, mm -hmm. you know, uh, for being, because that's just the way my brain is. So rather than fight it, you just got to be like, all right, that's just kind of how you operate. And we'll try to forgive ourselves and make those uh, fake arguments last a little less next time. Uh, Evan, yeah. how do you experience forgiveness? What you just said is perfect. Um, I, I love that. Just being like, hey, man, dude, this is who we are. And that's okay. Uh, but let's like just try and do it differently, you know. And um, for me, like I heard this guy's speech one time. He was a chaplain. And um, 
he his job was at a veterans hospice. He's he like sat with veterans as they died and um and and like prayed with them and like whatever he needed to do. And uh so he had this like very specific experience to share with us. And he was like, you know, I worked with guys, these veterans, they're in a veterans hospice because their family is not, you know, there anymore, really. Like, or they would be at home in a hospice, you know. So like the people I I work with and I sit with are people who burned a lot of bridges and like, and they're very angry. He's like, they're physically tight. You can see their bodies are tightened, you know, they're just like so filled with resentment and anger. And like, I mean, you know, I've sat with some people who are somewhat gentle. I've sat with some people who spent their last few months, like punching doctors, you know, and like just really angry guys. And every single one of them lets go at the end, like every single one of them. And like, and you just watch their body loosen and you, you, you listen to them. They're so apologetic of how they've been to the doctors. They like call the doctors and like, I'm so sorry. You're such a wonderful person. Like they want to reach out to their kids. They want to like patch up everything. And like, they, they let go. He's like every single person let's go. And like, so now that we know that now that we know that like, no matter who you are, no matter how tough you are, like in the end, you're soft and you, you're forgiving and you're loving. Why not just do it right now? You know, why not, you know, not wait until that last second. And, um, so I, that, that's, that's helped me a lot knowing that and, um, trying to let go of things sooner. I've also experienced quite a bit of loss myself. You know, I lost, um, my brother and my mom and uh, my aunt, who was like mom number two. And like, and so, I mean, like so many sober people, I've lost quite a few friends. And uh, so I know, I know what it's like to re- like regret. And I know what it's like to wish I, I would have let things go sooner. Um, so I just try, like, maybe it's the experience that helps me, you know, forgive sooner. But um, it, it's also, you know, this program we're in, like teaching me, uh, like, you know, what, what it's like to hold on to that. Um, it's, oops, uh, it's not fun, man. And, uh, so I, I just, I try and let go sooner and give people the benefit of the doubt because I know that like, um, I'm not perfect. And so they're probably not. You know, well, and especially like it's uh, since we seek forgiveness a lot too, like, you know, being in recovery and and making amends to people since we seek forgiveness, it should be only natural that it's we could be quick to forgive ourselves. But I mean, me, I'm usually the last person that I give the grace of forgiveness to. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, and saying it out loud helps. But. Um, what has, what was your most surprising amends or apology that you've either given or gotten? Ooh, or gotten. Um, I don't know how, uh, how I don't mind getting personal, but depending on the person I bring up, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to briefly mention three. I'm sorry. I'm choosing three instead of one. Uh, the most interesting one was my neighbor who I, uh, I ruined his lawn all the time. Like I had these parties and the cars would pull out into his lawn and then onto the street. And this guy like treated his lawn, like the Holy grail. Like he just like his whole life was his lawn and I ruined it all the time. And, um, (laughs) 
I was really nervous to make amends to him. And I went to his place and uh, his wife was there. He wasn't home. And I was like, perfect freebie. I don't even have to make amends. So I'll just do it to his wife. And so I, I made amends to her. And, um, and then she, she was like, we're just glad you're sober, you know, and all this stuff. And, and I was like, good. I didn't even have to look at this guy. And then um, I lost my mom and I, I made a eulogy, you know, for my mom and, and I did it from the heart. And uh, this guy was there and, um, and he came up to me afterwards and he was like, Evan, I, uh, I see that you've changed and um, I see the man you're becoming. And uh, my wife told me you came by and you made amends to her. And I was like, yes. And he, he literally said a line that is truly out of Anchorman. It's literally a line in Anchorman. He, he looked at me and he said, um, I don't respect. He's like, I don't like you, but damn it. I respect you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> that's literally, I think it's literally what uh, Vince Vaughn said to Will Ferrell in Anchorman. He definitely was not quoting Anchorman. It was just a real moment for him. And it was like, all right, well, that's all I needed to do. I needed to clean up my side of the street. He didn't need to like me at the end. He didn't even need to respect me at the end. I just needed to clean up my side of the street and I was able to do that. And, um, and then I also just have to bring up my mom, you know, because I, I made amends to her, um, not, I made amends to my mom, uh, and, and she was number one on my list. And, um, I made amends not knowing that she was going to die a few days later. You know, she, she died unexpectedly. And, um, and so my last memory of my mom was, was me asking what I could possibly do to make it up to her. All the stealing and the lying and like just taking advantage of her home and her. And um, her answer was love me. And that was, she would just love me. Like, don't say I love you on the way out of the door. Like, I mean, actually love me, like show up and listen. And like, uh, I'm just glad you're doing what you're doing. And so that's not only something that I was able to do for a few days for her while she was here, but it's something I can still do now. I can always love her, you know? And so it was just this beautiful thing that allowed me a blueprint on how to continue making a living amends to her, you know? Um, but the most, the most special amends that happened to me was um, a couple days ago. Uh, is it, I won't, I won't say who I'll, I'll try to respect this person, but a family member of mine, a really close family member who um, has just been really disrespectful to me for uh, a good 15 years and, and definitely the 12 years of my sobriety. They, they, they actually for like years didn't believe I was sober. Um, it, it was just, it was mind boggling. It was on multiple inventories that I wrote down. It was like everyone in my life had noticed I had changed except this person. And it made me question myself. Like it just, it really messed with me. And, um, and this person also didn't really respect my wife for zero reason. They just, you know, it was just the I had the toughest time with this person and the program and my friends, you know, and, and, uh, sponsor told me to just keep giving them good examples. Like, just like, just pray for that person. Just like, just like keep showing up. And like, as a younger man, I hated this person. I, I took it personally. I, I internalized it. I, I carried the resentment. And in the last couple of years, I had just worked on myself enough that I felt bad for this person. I was just like, man, they are hurting like to 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 want to hurt me so much. Um, they must be in so much pain. And um, 
a couple days ago, literally a couple days ago, they called me and, and apologized for 15 years of disrespect and said that they want to be a better person and that they, I have not given them any energy in years. And, and they, they understand that it's because uh, they gave me no reason to think that they c- cared about anything in my life. And they asked me if uh, me and my wife would want to start to build a relationship with them and give them a chance to be a better person. And uh, I just told them I love them and that absolutely, you know, and like younger me, like if you would have told me that that person apologized, I would have expected that I would have been like, yeah, motherfucker. Like, that's right. You know, I win. I win, you know, like because I was so resentful. But like a couple of days ago, I just like I just teared up and I was just like glad that this person was done hurting and like uh, was I'm excited to get to know them now. I don't know them. And they're like really, really close to me. Um, and I don't know them because they never let me. And, uh, I'm just grateful that this person is not going to let go on their deathbed. They, they let go now. And that's like amazing, you know? Fuck. So much hope for some relationships of my family. You've given me Uh, so much hope. Yeah. Seriously. I hope that it gives anybody like a little bit of hope with like, even somebody that's a complete nightmare, like just keep being a better person and not better just being the bigger person in the moment like yeah. we're all struggling and like they're probably hurting they've probably been through something that they're they're not comfortable talking like we have the gift of being able to talk about our shit like a lot of people don't yeah. and um and it eats you alive if you don't and um yeah i just you know early on old timers would say I, they would wish me a sl- a long, slow recovery. I'm sure you've heard that. No, it's, I haven't, but fuck. Haven't. <laughs> yeah. They, they're just like, I wish you a long, slow recovery. And I thought that it was like a sinister thing. They were saying to me the whole time. I was like, why would you do? I, I want everything now. I want everything to be amazing right now. Yeah. But the longer I stay sober, the more I realize how much that's like the greatest thing anybody's ever said, ever wished for me is that like, I get to have a long, slow recovery. Like I get to do this for a long time and like slowly see these things in my life that I think are hopeless, like find hope and like these things click together. Like, um, yeah, you don't want fast. You really don't. And I, it, you can't tell that to someone who's in the middle of shit. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to hear that when I'm in the middle of shit. It's like when you're a new comic and you're like, you're going to be great in seven years. You know, it's like, fuck dude. Like I, when I'm a young comic, like, I want an HBO special in a couple months, you know, and like, <laughs> but that HBO special would be the worst HBO special of all time. And like, and they're, they're right that I'm going to be a good comic in seven years. You don't want to hear that in the moment. So like to someone that has like a family member like that or somebody that's struggling in any way right now, I want to wish you a long, slow recovery, but I, I understand you're not going to want to hear me say that, but I'm, I think that seven years from now, you'll look back and be like, Thank God it was long and slow, you know? Dude, you're one thing that Dave always reminds me of because he's been in comedy for a hundred years. And I think this works for both analogies. Is <laughs> you can't, you can't, I've, you been, can't. I've been doing stand up for 10 years and I don't flex nuts <laughs> on you like that. Like, no, listen, yeah. listen. What I'm gonna, I'm complimenting you. Okay. Just take it. He always it's reminds me. a weird me, way to start a compliment. That I, that's how I start compliments. <laughs> you deal with it. Um, it's, it's the, uh, you can't skip the line. You just got to go through the line. 
you gotta, you gotta wait and do the thing. God, Evan, that is a long, slow recovery. Fuck. That is amazing. And you don't want to hear it. You know, I get it. Like it's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things you can't get the same way. You can't give a using addict readiness. Like you, you, you can't give it to, and I wish you could give it away. I wish you could give that one thing that you can't, you know, you can give a lot of stuff in recovery, but you can't give a using addict the clarity of themselves and like the readiness and willingness to stop. And that sucks because I could have saved a lot of really special people. In fact, I think that like addiction takes just the special ones. Like it takes the biggest life, like Mm -hmm. just the life that you're like, dude, you're like, like, you're young forever. Like, they just like, I can never see this person dying. Like they're just so big. They're so big, you know, but it's like, they're so big that like they were too much for this. I don't know. I don't want to ever say shit like that. I I think that stuff's corny, but like, I don't know the explanation. I, I, every time some, I lose somebody, it's like, you know, every time we lose somebody in sobriety, it's like, God, but they were the sweetest. Why? You know? And I, and it's like, well, yeah, they were the sweetest. Like, and so they were the most open to everything, all of it, in, including drugs, including like the connection to the people that were doing drugs with them. Like, and just, I don't have an explanation for, it. I don't have an answer for, it, but it's just something that I've noticed that sucks. And um, I wish you could give that, but you can't. And like, that's something I heard early on from a guy. He was like, he had just lost his sponsee brother. So like, uh, the other person is sponsor sponsored. And um, he was talking to his sponsor and I was like, why, why did he drink again? And how come I understand that I can't, how come I understand that I can't and he doesn't understand that. And he said that his sponsor said, I don't know. And that that was horrifying, you know? And, and that's what kept him sober is the, I don't know. That's so haunting, you know, yeah. you just have to be grateful. Like, yeah. Woo. Well, yeah. and gratitude is a huge part of my daily practice and you mentioned it before, but like, what is your day to day? What keeps Evan Williams tethered to the world and in, 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 in your life? Um, you know, honesty is a big one. Like we've already talked about honesty, but, but, honesty like when i am holding a secret or i'm not looking in the mirror i'm not okay and you know and it's it's so hard to see when somebody's not okay it's usually when they're the most active it's when they're when their insta stories are not three dashes they're like 30 periods you know like they just like they just need like extra <laughs> uh validation you know mm-hmm. and like all like um it, it because they're not they're not spending any time with them like it's just all like hey followers what questions do you have like hey here's me on a boat here's me in cabo here's me on tv like ah! and like it's yeah for me it's being honest and um whether that's to my higher power to myself in a journal uh to a therapist to people like you like um staying honest and like just trying to be as honest as I can. And I, and I'm not like, I'm not honest, but like I lie, you know, but like, um, 
just trying not to like I, I used to lie a lot. I used like when I was using like, you know, I would see somebody and I would lie about shit that like what you lied about that. Like I would I, I ran into somebody and he was like, hey, dude, what's up? I'm like, not much. And he's like, how's fencing going? And I was like, what? And he's like, you, you're like crazy in the fence. You're like a crazy like fencer, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's good, man. Learning a lot of sword tricks, you know? And I, I was like, I told this guy I was like a fencer. Like, I just needed to be interesting to him. Like, and mm-hmm. I, thought that, I thought that fencing was going to make him like me, you know? And like, <laughs> I, I just would lie left and right. And so um, just like being okay with who I am and like knowing that like, I'm enough. I don't have to make up anything. Like I can, I, if somebody asks me how I'm doing, I can say not great. if you want to like, like Dave saying, if you want to talk about it, we can, but like, I'll just say like, not great, but I'm here. That's fucking great. I love that. Um, and all the little things that I said, I wish I didn't need all those little things, but like, um, yeah, prayer and meditation when I do it and, um, eating healthy and working out is a big one for me. And, um, you know, checking into Zooms like this uh, when they're not a podcast and um, just like being honest and, and and reaching out to people and picking up the phone, which is like super hard, but it's gotten a little easier in all of this. Like I like that friends are FaceTiming each other now, just like randomly, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of, that's kind of nice. What would you say your relationship with that higher power is like? Ever evolving. Um ever evolving and steps back are taken and uh, little baby steps forward are taken uh, periods of time where I don't check in happen. And then like a big check-in periods of time where the, my praying is just like a reading off a Rolodex, like just like, hey, if you give me the wisdom to blah, blah, blah. And if you could uh, relieve me of the bondage, and I just, I'm saying it like it's hail Mary's in the mirror or something like, and, um, and then, and so then like making it more personal, like, all right, let me really check in with you. And like, just talk, cause I have no idea what I'm talking to. So I just talk to it. Like it's a dude. And I'm just like, Hey man, I'm fucked up today. You know, I'm just, I feel fucked up. Like, I just like, you know, just like whatever, like, and, um, and, and, and yeah. And just, just, you know, it doesn't have to be on my knees. It can be in the shower after the shower fight, you know, um, or, <laughs> or whatever uh it's just ongoing and it's um it's every day if i'm lucky uh if i'm if i'm vigilant it's every day but it's every day i love that we reached our last question yes thank you so much for your time today and for your patience with the wild world of technical stuff in a garage um what is one thing you would tell somebody just like you in the world? Um, I'd say I love you. I think, um, I've spent enough time not loving me. I I don't, yeah, it's not fun. And I know what it's like to, to walk around with that. And, um, I'll probably be in that spot in a few days and have to call a friend and have them pull me out of a, out of a rut, out of a little mini meltdown. But, uh, today I do. Um, and like, if I could talk to me at 19, I'd just be like, let yourself off the hook, man. Like, 
it sucks because it's something that's only going to happen when you're 31 and you just decide that it's okay to be you and like to let yourself off the hook. And then it's not all about you. That's huge. I'll be so nervous to do something and then realize that the event is not Evan Williams presents Evan Williams. Like it's, it's, I'm a part of an event where there's like multiple, like it's not about me, you know? Like I was nervous to say something at my uncle's Skype uh, and my uncle's like Zoom birthday celebration yesterday. Like they they were like did a surprise Zoom for him, and it was like anybody that wanted to say something could say something. And I was nervous I wouldn't be funny enough. I was like nervous I wouldn't be funny enough in my uncle's birthday Zoom, you know. And then I was like, I just let myself off the hook by I let myself off the hook by saying, "Oh, it's not about it's literally your uncle's birthday. Like it's not you're not you don't matter, dude. Like." And that, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It was like a good realization to realize I don't matter. Like I'm just like a little pawn. And um, if I, if I make somebody laugh, cool. If not, I'm just telling my uncle, I love him. And like that he's special and I'm glad he's in my life, you know? Um, So I would tell him that it's not all about him, um, but that he is special and that I love him and he should love himself. I think. Evan, you answered that question like you listen to this podcast every week, which I don't expect you to do, but like that is that's the podcast. I now might because you guys are cool. This is great. Oh, I I adore you. And again, I am so grateful that we got a chance to reacquaint in this manner. And I hope that when this is all over, uh, me, you, Dave, your lovely wife, we can all get yes. together. I'll make you guys carnitas. Dave will bring the hot uh, sauce. You uh, know, like, we'll, we'll, we'll make it some, happen. We'll bring some, uh, some mole tamales. How about that? How about that? That's great, because my mole is not on top of it. Um, oh. <laughs> it's not the, great the, mole. Tor- the Torres family mole is, is my favorite. Like, that would be my last meal, is <laughs> Felicia's mother's mole. Is, oh. oh, my God. God, um, absolutely, wait. guys. Absolutely, even if it's like a, a socially distanced coffee sometime, I'd love to meet up. It'd be great. <sighs> That'd be fucking rad. Yeah. Um, Anna, I love you. It's so I, great to talk to you. It's so great, Dave. You I, as well, man. I just had to say that to her because our relationship started very strangely. <laughs> I love you too, but uh, <laughs> I, I love you, Evan. This is amazing. Yeah. Where can people find you and find what you're doing? Plug it all. Do it now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm on like, you know, Instagram and TikTok uh, <laughs> at it's Evan Williams, I-T-S Evan Williams. And then I have a website, evanwilliamscomedy.com. I have an album called It's All Embarrassing. It's everywhere. And uh, I, I just put out that short film, The Recovery Call. It's a little, little horror film. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. I love it. And guys, if you haven't checked out Evan's Instagram, highly recommend because he's got great gym stories usually. <laughs> yeah. uh, a little, little much. Seeing people do stupid shit at the gym, which is one of my, I, I, I once saw a man using his head to on the, um, the leg press for no reason. Yeah. And I was like, yes, I, that's, yeah. oh, that's, that's what I live for. It's great. It's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and Dave, where can people find you? you can find me on all the things at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy. Uh, my album's called One Long Merch Pitch. You can see that uh, or listen to that everywhere. Uh, and I sell hot sauce 
hahahotsauce.com uh, if you need to make your Thanksgiving leftovers taste good. That's awesome. I yes. love hot sauce, dude. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's my favorite hot I'm sauce a- for eggs, for pizza, for uh, so many things. There's just moments oh, where I'll be, I'll be eating and I'll think, you know what? The right one is haha hot sauce and um, yeah. from the collection. So I, uh, I'm getting more and more fascinated with Dave, man. You're a very fascinating guy. I mean, I, I love, I'm a hot sauce guy. Like I love hot stuff. So that would be amazing, man. I, um, I, deli- I deliver, hand deliver safely in the LA County area. So I'm going to reach out. I'm going to reach out. Guys, it was a Anna, lot of fun. Thank where can so everybody much. find you, Anna? You can find oh, me at goodness. you can find me at Anna V is fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at AnnaValenzuela.com. Um, you can uh, also TikTok. Uh, I have like four of them. They're not good. Um, and you can also uh, check out this podcast at 12Q Pod on all of the platforms um, and also Gmail. So if you have any questions, if you want to give us any feedback, please rate and review this podcast because we're trying to do good things in a frankly a stressful time in this world. So uh, tell your friends, tell your family, please promote and how we end this podcast every time we kind of started this before is evan if nobody's told you this today we love you love you buddy love you guys thank you and dave if nobody's told you this today we love you (laughs) and if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today guys we love you thanks for listening everybody thanks for listening take care Thank mm-hmm. you.